the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. I'm starting a new series. It's called Chasing Love this morning. And, uh, and it's, it's, about the, it's about the music that we listen to. It's the movies that we're watching. They're all telling us to keep chasing love. And they're selling us on the idea that eventually, if and when we find love, it will f- make us finally happy. That's what, I, I just need this. This is what's gonna fulfill me, right? And so uh, I found this book, and it was called Chasing Love. It's by a guy named Sean McDowell. And I found this book, and I said, Whoa, and I began to read it, and I just thought, man, th- these are some of the, the topics that we need to be covering in the church. So often, the church kind of stays away from this kind of stuff. Sex, love, and relationships in a confused culture. But if we're gonna be the voice of reason in the midst of confusion, we should know what does the Bible have to say about that? And so I read this book, again, uh, Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture, a guy named Sean McDowell. I wanna encourage you, uh, and, and here's the beautiful thing. I, the reason I really loved it is it's written for youth and young adults, and it was like m- m- right here, just my reading level. I'm like, yes, I, n- I very rarely had to pull out my dictionary to read this book. It was kind of nice. Most of the books that I'm reading right now, uh, I'm in a master's program, and I'm telling you, I have my book that I'm reading and a dictionary going, what are they? Ologies. I never knew there were so many ologies. Wow. Uh, but I read this book and I thought, man, I got to get this information to our congregation, especially in the culture that we're living in. And so rather than teach you this book, I want to leave you this book and I'm going to teach you uh, kind of paralleling it. Okay, so I'm not going to, I promise I won't get graphic in this series, but I'm going to get forthright. I'm going to get right down to it. So uh, in this next series, and it's going to take us, are you ready? It's taking us all the way to Christmas. Yeah, so get ready for that when you're like, we're going to talk about this that long. Yeah, we are. Or, or at least I am, and hopefully we will during the week, right? So I want to encourage you with that. The love that the world is telling us to pursue, unfortunately, is all about self. That, that's what I, I, I constantly get this message. It's about following our heart's desires. And, and, and I see that message, I hear that message, and then I, and then I ask myself, but what's, what's the Christian worldview on that? What, what, is, what, is, what does Jesus tell us about love? And so in this series, I want to invite you into Jesus' radical approach. It's an upside-down approach to love when you hold it side by side and you go, here's the way the world sees things, here's the way Jesus sees things, here's the way the world sees things, here's the way the Bible sees, here's the way the world sees, here's what, here's what our values are as believers, as God's kids. So hopefully in this series, uh, we're going to be able to answer some of the tough questions that are being asked about sex and relationships today. And today's title, where I'm heading today, comes from a list of blessings. It's found in the book of Matthew. Come on with me. Come on, get your Bible, open it up, get your phone. I don't know where you're reading your word, but if you got your phone, you got a Bible on your phone, I bet, right? Matthew chapter 5, you're familiar with this, this section of scripture. It's tied, it is tied to a, a, a list of if-thens. And, and then some corresponding blessings that come along with the if-thens. We know them as the beatitudes, but that's just Latin for the word blessings. 
Okay, so when you ever hear all the Beatitudes, it's about attitudes. No, it's not. It's about blessings, okay? So these are the blessings that Jesus taught us, and and it comes right out here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It's a very straightforward, look at how easy this this sermon is, right? Coming right here, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I'll tell you what, Jesus got my attention because I want to see God. Right? I see this verse and I'm like, okay, that's what I want more than anything else. The problem is I'm a hot mess, right? My, my heart is all over the place. My mind is even more places. Uh, and then in this culture saying, hey, look here. Hey, look here. Hey, look everywhere. I, I open my eyes and they want my attention. So what do I do? This teaching from Jesus is pointing at our heart. And Jesus taught us that it's not enough to clean up our act on the outside, right? we, We can look pretty good. We can talk the talk. But it's what we refer to as walk in the walk is what's happening inside, right? Here's what Jesus told his disciples. It's in the book of Matthew. I'm just going to turn over a little bit. Matthew chapter 23, check this out. Here's what he's, he's talking to the religious people of his day. And in Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 25, listen to what he says. He says, uh, he says what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? Because you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first you got to wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. See, the goal of Jesus wasn't just to reform our habits. He wanted to change the hearts of sinners like you and me. How do I do that? How, How can I get there? And so, For an example, Jesus wasn't satisfied with a society where there were no acts of adultery. He said it goes beyond the act of adultery. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, sorry I'm flipping back over to the left again. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27, listen to what he teaches here. Jesus says this, you've heard the commandment that says you, you shouldn't be committing adultery. Don't do that, right? Here's what I'm telling you. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Anyone who looks at a man with lust in her heart has already committed adultery with him in her heart. We can, we can take that both ways here, right? If your eye, oh, here we go, watch this, right? He starts to get into us. I'm gonna hit this later on in the series. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. I'm like, what? Where is he going with that? I'm gonna, we're gonna dig into that later in the series. But see, here's what's happening He takes it beyond the outward doings to the inward thinkings and feelings. And that's where I get in trouble. I don't know about you. For the most part, I can get my doings in control. It's my thinkings and feelings that I I get all messed up. And the heart that he's talking about here is what we are, what you and I are, in the secrecy of our thoughts and our motivations, that part that nobody knows except God. I, I, can, I, can, uh, I can judge you on your actions. I can look at you and say, okay, I see what you did, but you know what I can't do? I, 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 there's no way I can find out your motivation, why you did what you did. 
You can look at my actions and go, he did this. But you don't know why I did what I did. Sometimes I don't even know why I did what I did. Anybody want to join me on that train? So I barely know why I do what I do, let alone knowing why you do what you do. So we stay away from the motivations, but that's the part that God's looking at. It's the heart in that secret place. And I want you to fill this in. This is your first fill-in. If you got the app, fill this one in. What we are at the invisible root is just as important as what we are at the visible branch. So many Christians are so focused on, I gotta produce this fruit, and it's gotta look right, and what you see when you look at me, check out the fruit, hey, look at this fruit, look at the fruit that I'm producing, look at what I did, I serve in Sunday school, I gave to the poor, I helped the homeless, I see all the fruit. And God's going, what about the root? What's going on, what's going on deep? inside of us. God told Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. See, that's what you guys do. You look at one another and you go, oh, he's cute, she's beautiful, they're rich, they're not, right? We, we look at the outward appearance. Man's, right? That's what we do. But God says, I'm looking at the heart. And then Jesus, man, Jesus told us that what comes out of the mouth originated in the heart. What the things that I said started here. And then he told us this. He goes, you're going to know a tree by its fruit. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. He repeats it. See, I walk up and I I take an orange seed. I put it in the ground. I'm not growing avocados. I take an apple seed. I put it in the ground. We're not going to have grapes. So what's in the ground is really important. And that's why Jesus is constantly going after our hearts. Because you and I can pretend with the best of them. Some of us in this room can talk baseball to our heart's content and we've never been on the field. We could talk football statistics and we've never thrown one. It's just what it is. Right? We, we could armchair quarterback all day, right? Look at this guy. What kind of guy? Yeah, let me put you out on that field. See, he's saying, what's going on in the heart? Our heart is so crucial to Jesus. What we are in the deep, private recesses of our lives, our heart, that's what he cares about the most. Because eventually, what is private will become public. What's going on inside of here eventually finds its way out. What's done in the secret will eventually become in, come into the light. Jesus didn't come into the world simply because something was broken and needs repaired. He came because our hearts needed purification. And no government is equipped to fix our heart. I don't care how many taxes they take. I don't know how many, care how many programs are out there. It's not equipped to fix the human problem. And Jesus came to fix that. And that's what makes Jesus' teaching on the purity of heart so incredibly relevant, socially relevant for today. The fundamental problem in our society and our culture is that we attempt to solve our human problems while neglecting, or I would say sometimes even rejecting, the spiritual conflict of our soul. There's something wrong here. And God goes, 
That's where I'm a specialist. I made it. Let me handle that for you. I created it. I was the designer. I was on the bottom floor when that was all being put together. The soul that holds all of this together. That that was me. Let me handle that for you. Seeing God is a great goal of being pure. As I said, I want to see God. But here's the problem. When we abandon that goal of seeing God, our society and our culture collapses. And that's what we're looking about. Uh, We're looking at that in our culture now. Who cares about seeing God? I just care about right now, right here, me. The future has nothing to do. I I don't care about the future. So here's what I want to do in the next few moments we have together. I want to ask and then answer, hopefully, three questions this morning. First one is, what is God? Second one is, what is it to be pure in heart? And the third one is, how are those two things put together? Right? What is it to see God? What is it to be pure in heart? And then how do we put those two together? Here's the first one. What is it to see God? Here's the first question. I think this is about, a, uh, about several things. Here's the first blank I want you to fill in. It's about to be admitted into his presence. That's what it means to see God. It means I'm brought in to see him. I'm not just going to see him. I'm going to be admitted into his presence. Really wild scene. Way back in the Old Testament, Moses is having this conflict with the Pharaoh, right? And Pharaoh, after the plague of darkness, the Pharaoh turns to Moses and he says this, you better get away from me. I don't want to ever see your face again. The day you see my face will be your last day on the earth. Now, when when the leadership says stuff like that in the Bible, I don't want to see your face, they're talking about admittance. I, I I don't want to look at you right? And he's saying, you're not going to ever be in my presence. You might be able to see me, but if I see you, it's over. When we call the office, we call the doctor's the medical office, and we, and we say, hey, uh, uh, can I see the doctor today? We are not talking about seeing them from a distance or seeing a picture of them on the wall, right? And as much as telehealth is taking over these days, right? That, that what we're really saying is, can I see the doctor? Is I want to be admitted into their presence. I want to be admitted to see them. So the first thing is seeing God as being admitted to his presence. Here's the second one. I'll fill this one in. To be awestruck by his presence. When we see God, it's, it's a whoa moment more than anything we have ever seen before. We are awestruck by his presence. And this happens as a direct result of being exposed to holiness. Because you and I have never seen holiness on the planet. We call them holy men. Oh, look at the holy man. We, these monks or whatever. They, they are, nobody's holy. Nobody. But when you stand on that day, when we stand before holiness... Your only response is, <laughs> no words come out. N- n- you <laughs> in fact, the Bible says most often people just fall on their face. And in fact, many times, and you'll see it in the presence of angels, people are afraid to death. They're afraid they're about to be destroyed. That's what it means to be in front of a holy presence. I do not deserve to be sitting here right now. God at one point confronts Job. He's like, really, man? 
you know, Job's all bumming out. Hey, you know, you, you owe me. I did all these things for you. How about you return the favor, man? Right? Job is chewing out God. And then God lets it unleash, right? He goes, oh, really? Really with you? I owe you? Let me ask you, man, were you there when the stars were hung in the sky? Were you there when I told the oceans, that's as far as you go? Were you there when I separated things? Were you there? And Job, Job's like, oh, man, oh, man. You know, I'd only heard about you before. I'd only heard about your, right? But now I've seen you with my own eyes. And then he says this, I'm going to sit in dust and ashes just to show you my repentance for thinking I could talk to you like that. All of a sudden he got perspective. Virtually all of our spiritual sight in this life is brought through the word of God and the works of God. You pull into Yosemite Valley and you have a moment. Sometimes you can see a sunset on the beach and you go. <sighs> Sometimes you can, you, can, you can, if you've been in an airplane, you fly over, you fly over a land and you go, wow. If you've been on a cruise in your middle of the ocean where you see no land on all sides, it's just ocean, and you go, I am this big, and God loves me. It's perspective. That's what happened to Job. That's what it means to be awestruck by his presence. We can see images and reflections of his glory, his holiness, his amazingness. We hear echoes. We hear reverberations of his voice in this world. But there's going to be a day when we are going to be with him. And I'll tell you what, the glory is not going to be limited to lightning and you go, wow. It's not going to be mountains and roaring seas or constellations of stars. See, we don't, we don't get those. You get out in the middle of nowhere and look up at the night sky and you go, what are all those? Those are stars. Just, it's fantastic. Our experience with him is going to be direct. It's going to be a direct experience. And that's why this last series I was saying, man, we got to get our head in the clouds. So, number one, it means being admitted to his presence, being awestruck by his presence. Here's the third thing I want you to fill in. To be comforted by his presence. This is what it means to be admitted. To be Brought into his presence, to be awestruck by his presence. We're going to be comforted. Look at the, the Bible says there is peace. There is, tell me how these words sit with you, right? There is peace, there is rest, and there is joy in the presence of the Lord. Does that sound comforting to you? I'm like, whew, bring me into the presence of the Lord. That's something I want to experience, Right? Psalm, in the, in the Psalms, look at this, if you got your Bibles, Psalm, make that turn over there. Psalm 27, listen to this, what he says. Psalm 27, David begs God not to hide his face from him. Psalm 27, seven through nine. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come, listen to what his heart, my heart heard you say, come and talk with me. And the heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Don't turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Oh, God of my salvation. David was experiencing connection. He was 
admitted into the presence of God. And he says, you know what? When God shows his face, it's encouraging. But when he turns his back, it's discouraging. I pray, God, don't turn, don't turn your back on me. I prayed this prayer. Don't turn your back on me. I just did this really knucklehead thing. I just did really, did, I can't believe I did it. But please don't turn away from me. Purify my heart, right? What, what is that second question? Which leads me to the second question then. What is it to mean to be pure of heart? That's what David prayed, Pur, purify my heart. The philosopher, he's a Danish philosopher, theologian, a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. He said this, he said, that purity of heart is to will one thing. That I will only one thing, which isn't a bad thing as long as the will, as long as that one thing that you are having your will is to be in the presence of God, right? But when you will one thing, you ever been so focused on something you can't get your eyes off anything else? I can't get any, I got tunnel vision on this one thing. Most of the time it's fear, by the way. When I can't see other things, I'm zeroed in on something and I can only focus on one thing. Most of the time it's fear. But have you ever been so focused that you can't see anything else? Soren Kierkegaard said that that's what purity of heart does. It wills one thing. The will for my one thing is I want to be in the presence of the Lord, right? But let's look at what purity of the heart says. What does the Bible say about purity of heart? According to David in Psalm 23, check this out. According to David, you can fill this in. This is purity of heart according to David. What does it mean to be pure of heart according to David? Psalm 24. Who may climb to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? Only those whose hearts are pure. That's who gets to see the Lord, who don't worship idols and never tell lies. It's pretty easy to see what David means by a pure heart because he names off two practical things. Don't worship idols and don't tell lies. Anybody gonna be seeing God anytime soon? No, right? I'm out, right? I'm out. If that's what it means to see God, not tell lies, whoo, I'm a long way from seeing him, right? According to James, here's another one. According to James, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Look what he says. Come close to God. He says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and what? Purify your hearts, because your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Notice that like Psalm 24, there's a reference both to clean hands and a pure heart. There's a preparation that happens in drawing near to God. He said, here's here's how you prepare. And then Paul, in 1 Timothy, oh man, Paul says this in 1 Timothy, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. And then he goes on, a clear conscience, a genuine faith. Paul's going, hey, listen, this is what this pure heart is. It, It can't be hypocritical where you say one thing and do another. Anybody want to join me on that train? This is not a good time, is it, right? It's really hard. <laughs> Lastly, and I think probably most importantly, okay, I'm cool with David, I'm, I'm cool with Paul, I'm cool with James, right? I got more out of Peter, I got other ones, I'm not gonna hit those, but who do I really want to hear from? I wanna hear from Jesus. What, what does Jesus 
say about purity of heart. Here's your last fill. And according to Jesus, Matthew 22, I'm back in Matthew. Here he goes. Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. Watch this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He, he lays it out for us. There's nothing partial here. It's all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. There's no double-mindedness. There's no divided allegiances. There's no deception. <laughs> Which leads me to this last question. So how do you bind this purity of heart and this seeing God. How, how does it get bound together? Jesus already gave us part of the answer. He says that purity is a prerequisite for seeing God. But we got to remember that the impure are not granted admittance into his presence. The, 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 those who aren't pure in heart aren't awed by his presence. Those who are not pure of heart will not be comforted by his presence. He says, those are the things you, you do to get into the presence. But watch this. In the book of Hebrews, this is written to us. Hebrews chapter 12. There's a little key here. Watch this. Work. Ah, that's a four-letter word to many of us. <sighs> work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. Those who are not holy will not see God. Well, wait a minute. He just upped the ante, right? First, we were talking about just being pure. Now you're talking about holiness? I gotta be holy to see him? Oh, come on. It's not just purity, it's holiness. Please fill that in. I want you to have this. It's holiness that allows us to see the king of glory. But how in the world are we gonna do that? Living a life of purity and holiness, how are we gonna do that? in such, again, a confused culture. When our culture is pulling us in every which way, fulfill what you want. Your desires are the most important desires. Forget about what God desires, forget about parent desires, teacher's desires. So what, they ask those things of you. What do you want? I'll give us the same answer Jesus gave his disciples. Again, right here in Matthew, chapter 19, verse 26, he says this. Ready? How am I going to be pure and holy? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. I go, okay, then, then, then I'm going to have to figure out how to surrender my ways and submit to his way. If God makes it possible, I better get aligned with him. God creates purity for us and in us so that we are able to even pursue holiness. God's going, listen, I'm going to make this possible for you. I'm going to move, not, listen, and I've made this prayer mine. Jesus, don't live in me. Jesus, live through me. It's not enough. Beloved, I have Jesus, right? <laughs> me, God. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, and me. Us four, no more. As long as I'm going to heaven, it's all good. Then I got Jesus here. And God says, no, no, I want to live through you. Jesus said, I want to make your life abundant. So let's stop chasing love. And by his grace, 
Let's pray the prayer that David prayed. Created me a clean heart. That's my problem. Again, and I surrender my ways and I submit to your ways. And with that pure heart, God, with that pure heart, not only will I be able to see you, but I'll also then, I believe, and we're gonna dig it up in these next weeks, that we're gonna have a holy response. A holy response to sex, love, and relationships in a confused culture. Again, I encourage you with this book, I'm not gonna be touching this content. But if you wanna pick up this book along the way, I'm gonna be, be paralleling it. I'm not taking any content out of this book, but there are some great chapters in this book. Uh, I wanna encourage you to be looking at those. 